Welcome to Beyond Trauma, a podcast from therapists for clients about the healing journey. We hope this will be a resource of encouragement, comfort, insight, and understanding for you along this courageous process. Welcome back to Beyond Trauma, a guide for your healing journey. Um, It is Melissa and I today in our pseudo studio. Mm -hmm. Um, We are very close. To having a full-blown studio. Full-blown. Oh, I can see it now. I'm closing <laughs> my eyes. I can see it. I can feel it. Uh-huh. Um, but we are here today to talk about cycles of trauma mm-hmm. and how we kind of conceptualize every symptom through the lens of uh, originating somehow in our definition of trauma that, yes. that we will kind of give. And we mean pretty much every symptom. Pretty much everything. Yeah. Like diagnosis wise yes Mm -hmm. all of it Mm -hmm. so we'll go over that a little bit but there are some things that we want to just mention beforehand um we've got tons of exciting stuff going on we do so one of the things that i'm super excited about is we're uh gearing up to go into retreat season here at beyond healing center and we have several therapists that are ready uh to do retreats with you guys um So we have a whole team of therapists and a whole team of practitioners of other uh, kinds of therapies and uh, adjunctive healing services like massage therapy, yoga therapy, functional movement, equine slash horses, um, all kinds of stuff that is just so supportive to the whole process of going through a uh, trauma healing retreat. Um, and the main modality that we use is EMDR, but we also have clients that come that, uh, you know, just want some intensive therapy Mm -hmm. and uh, so we do those in three days or five days yeah and every day of the retreat you're in you know a beautiful kind of farm setting environment um, and we feed you and take care of you and there's at least three hours of therapy plus some of those adjunctive services Mm -hmm. that we were talking about it's just a really incredibly uh, nurturing experience and we have a lot of people that you know do one and then Uh, come back and do it every six months or do it once a year. Um, But we've really been able to expand our capacity to do that. So send us an email, give us a call if you have questions about it. We have financing options. We've got all kinds of ways of trying to make this accessible to as many people as we can. Um, So if you guys have any questions, you can email us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com. Or you can go to our website, which, Mm -hmm. by the way, is being refurbished a bit. So if it's down, it's because we're making a pretty new one. Yes. (laughs) And more importantly, a more accurate one. More accurate. Uh, Because we've grown a bit and things are different. (laughs) Yes. Um, But there is information about our retreats on our website, and that is www.beyondhealingcenter.com. Or you can always email us with questions. So come and join us for a retreat. A fall retreat is just a lovely lovely. thing. Especially out in the farm. We do have some city options if you're like farm not into that i'm not a nature person that's okay even if you're kind of feeling that i feel like you should give it a try because Uh, that farm will change you. oh my gosh (laughs) it is it is spectacular we actually did a uh, a staff training out there recently yeah and went wandered through the oak grove for a while because that's the thing yeah and then there was just just we're all sitting inside and there's this beautiful sighting of a coyote oh yeah the coyote that wandered through yeah Yeah, it's it's a lovely it's a lovely lovely place yeah and that's where the horses are and i don't know if you guys are like me but um, around horses, I just get this, like, I'm plugged into something so much older oh, yeah. than me, yeah. like so much bigger than me. Wiser. I'm just in a space of like, I feel like I'm just around yeah. elves. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how I feel. 
like Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, the elves are here. Like that's literally <laughs> how I feel. Something very sacred is occurring. Exactly. No, I, something I totally ancient. Yeah. I'm just. And whoa. by the way, it is not required that you ride horses. No. No. The the equine work that we do is next to with the horse. Next um, to. I like yeah, that, yeah. Not not on top of. That yes. is not a requirement. So. Correct. Anyway, we love doing these retreats, and we've got a whole team of people ready to do a retreat with you. So send us an email, get on our website. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about that option. Yeah. You'll get to meet Brooklyn, mm-hmm. who is our retreat coordinator. Yes. She's yeah. Lovely. She takes care of people for Very us. Very kind human. Yes. Help you with literally anything. She'll yes. pick you up at the airport. Absolutely. Yeah. Do whatever you need. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah. You ready to dive in? I think so. I'm super excited about this topic. Oh, yeah. Um. I mean, it's something that I feel like we talk about every day because... Well, literally, we do. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Uh, Because it's relevant in kind of every kind of conversation that we have. So, you know, both Bridger and I split our time, I was going to say evenly, but I don't know if that's true or not. We spend our time having conversations with clients, with other therapists, um, with students, with Mm -hmm. academics, with all kinds of people. And in every single conversation, it feels like this topic is very, very relevant because Mm. there is a misunderstanding and a burgeoning re-understanding of what mental health symptoms are really about. Yeah. And what is a disorder? Yeah. Yeah. And why, why do we see such a diversity of symptoms and why does it seem like some respond well to certain treatments and others don't at all? There's all kinds of questions about this and... We feel like when you look at the neuroscience, we're starting to get a much clearer picture of what is really going on within the human organism in yeah. response to overwhelming life experience. Especially mm-hmm. that um, when overwhelming life experience is uh, cumulative, like when it continues. Yeah. when it's not just a one-off event. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. Especially mm-hmm. when then, again, that starts in a young age. Yeah. When you start to grow an organism inside of a chaotic environment like mm-hmm. that, where safety is always a question mark, right. where I'm, you know, just through my faculties as an organism, uh, using different strategies to get my needs met, yes. that just starts to shape the brain and development. And so now you have an organism that's used to chaos. Right. And that is a very different kind of organism than one that's mm-hmm. used to security, mm-hmm. used to stability. So I feel like to you and I, that whole you know idea of an organism that is used to chaos makes total sense. But I kind of want to like pause right there, yeah, and make that's sure that, <laughs> make sure that uh, you know there's there's real understanding of what what do we mean when we say that an organism that's used to chaos. Um, so I think going back to the way that we define trauma, which is a much broader, deeper, uh, more nuanced understanding of what trauma is. Um, that idea of chaos is very connected to that. Chaos is an experience of my world is not safe in a predictable way. It doesn't mean that there's no safety at all. Right. It doesn't mean that there's no love, sometimes quite the opposite. Yeah. But my body does not have a reliable sense of I'm okay mm. and everything is okay. And here's how I know why. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I have my needs met in a regular, reliable way. And I don't have to wonder every day whether things are going to be all right or not. Mm-hmm. There's just sort of this this knowing and this felt sense and lived experience of, for the most part, my days are pretty good and I'm taken care of. Yeah. And anything short of that uh, 
produces a sense of chaos and unsafety and unsettledness in the human nervous system. And we have to remember that for most of us, our major encounters, um, our first major encounters with chaos and overwhelm happen when we're very young Mm -hmm. and when we are an immature human organism, meaning we don't have all of our brain on board to help us make sense of things. And really practically, we have small bodies. Right. And that's really relevant. Yes. Lots of help needed. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a small body and an underdeveloped brain. That's and, a tough place oh to be, man. man. <laughs> I'm like super needy. Very right? vulnerable. So vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I mean, when I come out of the womb, I can't even roll myself over, nope. let alone figure out or how to get Or hold my head food. up. Hold my head up. Like I am a worm. Yeah. I, I have no tools at my disposal. Other than one thing. I need mom and dad yeah. or whoever yeah. to help me out I need here. somebody because like I can't keep myself clean. I can't feed myself. I can't move myself. I am yeah. utterly dependent. Yeah. And we talk about that in our trauma-informed care. This is kind of like the yeah. basic training that we have. The most fundamental ground level way of understanding our yeah, theory. Yeah, this is BHC 101. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> is human as organism. What yes. does that mean? And so I love talking about the physical dependence yeah. of an infant um, because that I feel like is so just obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we really clearly. are like little caterpillars right. when, when we come out. Can't yeah. even hold your head up and no. you have no teeth. Yeah. <laughs> you got. You're screwed. You're screwed, man. <laughs> like you got. <laughs> you, uh, needy. You totally needy. You got a needy. lot of, of barriers yeah. <laughs> to, to staying alive in front of you. And, but what so many people I feel like don't really recognize it's is that it's through the experience of being that dependent and how we negotiate getting our needs met with Mm -hmm. those that are there to do that, that our brain develops. Yeah. Like literally the way the neurons are, are wired together and insulated um, for connectivity is based on our relational experiences. Mm -hmm. The social brain develops through relationships and that to me has just wild implications. That's why we have like now four trainings yes. <laughs> that are all on parts of this because this really has all of the implications in the world and then some for yeah. the way that we uh, move and, and find ourselves in the world. And so that's why this episode we wanted to talk about what happens in a situation where trauma after trauma after trauma happens uh, to a person, particularly uh, starting in early life. Yes. I mean, that gets to the bedrock of what we mean by the by the phrase, an organism that's used to chaos. Mm-hmm. So just imagining what it's like for a small human being like that to have just what Melissa was saying, like no barometer right. for where safety actually is. Right. Because maybe somebody who was safe just a second ago showed me a look that made me feel unsafe. Right. And maybe they treated me in a way that actually hurt me. Mm-hmm. But then in other ways, they do show up right. and meet my needs. Yeah. Or maybe this this house that we lived in, we're moving now. Mm-hmm. And what do you mean you're getting divorced? Yeah. And why do you treat people like that? Yeah. Why am I being treated like this? Right. Why are my needs not okay? Why are my feelings not okay? Mm-hmm. You know, all mm-hmm. along the way. Why do I get in trouble when I'm really, really sad and I want to cry? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Why does nobody ask me how I'm feeling? Yeah. 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 And this just continues to shape the brain as it develops over time. Mm-hmm. So that's just our quick aside of this is what we mean by 
human as organism. Yes. And you need to take our trainings and continue to talk to us <laughs> to listen. And, and this is the running theme that we have through yes. all of the things that we do. Curious. <laughs> so um, in that, what we're wanting to kind of explore today is how does the organism adapt Yeah. in that situation, mm-hmm. in the accumulation of trauma. As each experience continues to shape the brain, how do we survive? Yeah. Well, so before we launch into that, I think something that feels super relevant is really kind of talking about when we say human as organism and the fact that we really believe that that's super important to keep in mind when we're having this Central. conversation. Yeah. yeah. Part of why we highlight that so much is that traditionally, both in our culture and then the way that therapists have been trained for a long time, there's sort of this attitude of, well, what really matters is my thoughts. Yeah. Right. And I have control over my thoughts. So if I can change my thinking, if I can change my attitude, if I get an attitude adjustment, mm -hmm, (laughs) uh, then somehow my problems are going to be solved. And that overemphasis on the cognitive portion of the human as organism has taken away the importance and the understanding of we are a whole organism. And that includes that our bodies are in constant communication and partnership with our environment Mm -hmm. in order to make sure that we stay alive and continue to have the resources that we need in order to stay alive and procreate and do all the things that mammals want to do. And what that means is on the most fundamental level, our bodies, which includes everything that you associate with your body, but also your personality Mm -hmm. and your coping strategies Um, and your defense mechanisms. And those are phrases that, you know, all of us are kind of using culturally right now. Mm. Um, All of those things were created by you as an organism in response to the environment that you grew up in. You did not get created in a vacuum. You you did not come in with a blueprint of who you were going to be Um, And then, you know, you get set on this road to uh, development and maturity and boom, we have a finished product. Yeah. It is always in, it's a co-creative process Mm -hmm. between our genetics and the environment, which mainly includes relationships as mammals. Uh, It is a co-creative process between our genetics and our environment. It creates the final product of the adult us. Yes. I have to like breathe because I'm getting so excited. <laughs> um, but the because it's just so so intricate um, and so sophisticated. Yeah. Uh, but we just we just act like it's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like we just act like yeah, whatever. I'm just yeah. like dealing with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, just becoming me. Right. Yeah. I'm just me yeah. right now. Um, but looking backwards at all of the experiences that even turned on these genes, right. the, the way we express That's ourselves, right. the way that our body develops, the way that our brain develops, mm-hmm. looking back in time and seeing that all of that is experience dependent. Right. All of it. Right. It, it is, you know, you, you're coming into the world as this being with such potential mm-hmm. that's then shaped and moved yep. into the person that you are right now. Mm-hmm. I can't remember when we said this, Melissa, but at one point we were talking about the latest synthesis of me. I think it was oh, an yeah. evidence-based therapist, yeah, but I love sense. that. And I use that with my <laughs> yeah. clients all the time now uh-huh. of what you're looking at right now is the latest synthesis of me. Yeah. My personality mm-hmm. is the way that I put together my whole lived experience 
yeah. right now. Yeah. Which is fascinating because number one, that means we're a new me every single day. Every like moment. Every moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that also means that I am a product of every moment of my life That's before. Right. Oh. And so an, another in another podcast, uh, specifically for therapists, we kind of went on a tear about this idea. And there was a moment where we all kind of looked at each other. And I think it was Caleb that said something along the lines of every human is a, is a time traveler. And I love that. So while, much. I know. Wow. That's a little bit of an out there statement. What we're getting at is the fact that to be human means that our biology, every cell of our being is in constant representation of every moment of our previous lived experience and in constant moment to moment adaptation to this present lived experience. Yes. And all of that is happening all the time. Right. It's it's like nonstop. Yes. It it just never ends. Auto conscious. It's happening (laughs) every single moment of every single day. Yeah. And that's part of why, like, as humans, we have a capacity to be just wildly complex. Yeah. Right. This is the complexity. And like, good job, body. Like, you're doing so good. It's astounding. So much has happened to you. And you're just. And look at you. You're still standing there. Look at you. (laughs) I love that. If we could just treat each other like that all the time, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, Let's do that. Let's do more of that. Um, but in that, so we have a concept that we, uh, just kind of a phrase that we use, um, called strategy. Yeah. We've used that since like day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we mean by that is, you know, if you have a need and you see something in the way of, or perhaps something you need in order to meet the need, mm-hmm. you have to go about figuring out how to move through or with or away from or whatever that mm-hmm. thing in order to get your needs met. Right. That's what we call strategy. Mm-hmm. Basically, any any way of behaving for any reason, that fits into what we call strategy. Right. So if you've got this organism that is built over time, uh, regardless of you know trauma or not, um, they are being shaped by their relational experiences. Mm-hmm. And that means they're coming into each moment of that great, you know, that most recent synthesis with a ton of strategies. Yes. So many. And that the, were the, necessary. Right. The, I was just going to yes. say the idea is not about good and bad. No. Don't no. even start to think that no. way about any one strategies. I'm talking about from the worst thing you can imagine all the way up to Gandhi. Like, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's not the point. The point is not good and bad. The point is to recognize the why mm-hmm. behind the strategy. Yeah. What's going on there? Mm-hmm. And does the organism feel threatened? Mm-hmm. Does the organism feel alone right. or shame-filled? Mm-hmm. Does the organism feel, you know, yeah, in danger? And what sense do they make of exactly. that feeling? And that has a lot to do with the the differences that different individuals come up with in terms of strategy. Yeah. Um, some strategies are just kind of straight inherited from our family, right? Right. Like they, it's literally taught to us that this is the way that you should deal with this issue. Yeah. Others, it's all our own creation. Yeah. You'll know the, <laughs> you'll know the ones that were inherited by, well, that's what my mom did. Right. That's what my or, dad did. I mean, everybody or in whatever. my family. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody in my family is an alcoholic. It's just what we do. Right. You know, we exactly. all drink, right? Yeah. Well, okay. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. You inherited that strategy, yeah. you know, and I mean, I think both you and I inherited the same strategy from our family of origin. <laughs> I would love to hear what you're about oh, to say. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to be shocked at all. So workaholism is a strategy. What? What? And it's our favorite one. It's a great we, one. We really like it. Yep. 
It's great. It really is. It gets us uh, a lot of positive response. And so. And, and we're doing such good things. I know. Like there's so it's many so ways to, to justify. justify. <laughs> yes, Melissa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> this podcast so, is just one big justification. Justification <laughs> for Bridger and I's favorite chosen strategy of how yes. to get our uh, resources of feeling validated in the world met. <laughs> it is what it is. I deserve to exist because I work hard. What? Oops. Oh, gosh. Anyway. So now that we've revealed our strategies, which is a common theme in this podcast, I think that (laughs) um, I think that one of the things that we want to gently invite is for you to be in reflection about maybe what your strategies are. Totally. And what are the ways that you have inherited some strategies from your family? Mm. What are the ones that you kind of created all on your own? Um, because you had to find a way to deal with whatever was stressful and overwhelming in your young life and in your you know recent life, all of that. Um, and one of the interesting things about strategies that we create is we never quit creating them. And that's right? not the point. Yeah, no. And, and we need to qu- keep creating. Them. Mm-hmm. And one of the differences in the way that we practice therapy is that rather than get into a power struggle with the strategy that our clients have created to survive their life and get their needs met, we partner with the strategy to let it explain to us why it was needed in the first place and invite an exploration and curiosity towards, do I still want to keep this strategy? Is it serving me well now? Now. Yeah. Because it worked before. That's why I have it. Right. But is it doing the job now? And is the cost worth it? Yeah. Yeah. Or a lot of the times it's not about getting rid of a strategy mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, replacing it with something quote unquote good or better. It's more about how could I just tweak the strategy a little bit to keep all of the good parts of it and reduce the price that I pay right. to keep it. Right. Um, so, you know, using our favorite example of workaholism, you know, the power of the strategy of knowing how to work hard and feeling uh, a good feeling, right? Feeling a pleasant sensation in our yeah, body. Of accomplishment. Right. And, yeah, and all, all of, of the good stuff, yeah. right? Um, there's so much that is positive about that strategy. But it has its dark side. Boy, it doesn't. <laughs> Bridget, what time did you go to bed last night? Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. My point is... Don't worry about it. No. <laughs> my point is, is that when you uh, get to 37, like me, <laughs> uh, your body will start saying, excuse me, uh, that pace that you're keeping... Um, I, I might have an issue with that. Right. I might need you to just slow down and rest a little more or you're going to tank your immune system and get sick every other week. I, I don't know. I right. Mean. <laughs> and maybe that's maybe you're self-aware enough to have that thought in your own mind. But <laughs> what happens when other people start reflecting that to you ah. or, hey, I miss you. Oh, um, I feel like we're having a little bit of self-disclosure right now. Hello, sweetheart. Where you been? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I miss you. And, yeah. or, you know, you like, I think of my partner, like Olivia, like every time that I'm up until three o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. working on something, right? that's like five hours that I wasn't in bed. Yeah. Like with her. Yeah. Yeah. 
like that is like oh the price that i don't want to think i don't want to no oh god and then you add babies yeah. into that picture no, i and can't no yeah and that's what i mean is that at different points in our life right so sometimes, I just... yeah so sorry we're gonna pull back from that yeah. before you get so activated that we can't come back from it um that strategy that we develop for me that worked really freaking good in grad school mm. i was single i didn't have a partner i didn't have any babies it was just me myself and i and my you know graduate course program and my full-time job workaholism was my jam and yeah. it worked great and then i you know decided that i wanted other things in my life mm. like a partner and a family and a baby and all of that and my body said oh you and a baby I'm sorry, that's not compatible with an 80-hour work week. We haven't been organizing this material no, in our bodies no. for that. Not at all. So, yeah, so it's not going to work. Yeah, so sorry, you're going to have to like try really hard for like three and a half years mm. in order to get a baby because this strategy is incompatible with that. Mm -hmm. And so you know, my lived experience of adjusting strategy is how do I keep the good stuff Yeah. but then understand why I was having such a hard time setting down the strategy mm. because that's where our clients come into therapy right when the strategy is working we don't see any problem with that right we don't go to therapy when the strategy is working right exactly <laughs> we go a to a lot therapy. of us call that happiness exactly <laughs> it's working great what are you talking about yeah we go to therapy when we want something else and we try to shift our life in some way and our strategies are incompatible with that and now we got issues yeah Right. And, you know, in my case, my body refusing to get pregnant and my doctor saying, excuse me, you have high blood pressure at 32. That's an issue. Mm -hmm. Right. So those moments in life are the ones where we step back and, and have to ask ourselves, I think it's time to adjust. Right. This strategy that used to work is now creating issues in my life that I don't like. And when we go to adjust those strategies, that's where trauma starts to show its own power and explain to us why it's so difficult to set down the strategies that we originally created for yeah. our own survival. Yeah, even if you think you're over it or yeah. like that's, even if you're in a completely different environment mm -hmm. or whatever it is, what I love about what you're saying, Melissa, is like when you start to change and you realize how hard it is to change, yes. then you start to see, oh, dang, oh, this my thing body is, yeah. is still holding this. Yes. And how, and oh, I can't just think my way out of it. Right. Right. Because I know I should stop. I know I should slow down. I know I should go to bed at 10 o'clock instead of two in the morning. I know. It's three o'clock. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about myself. Oh, you. okay. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I go to bed at 930 now and I really like what it. What a joy. I have adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I know it is. Um, so the, the point that I'm trying to make is that when we go to make a change, and we feel the challenge of actually getting our body to get on board with changing the way that we have been maneuvering through life and getting our needs met and taking care of ourselves, that's where we start to realize, oh, I am a product of my history and these patterns of strategies are sort of hardwired into my body in a way that makes it really difficult to just decide to change or yes. decide to stop, even though I want to even though I know that I should, even though I can see all the reasons logically and rationally why it's a good idea, why can't I get myself to do it? And yes. that is the moment why when a lot of people come to therapy. Right. And I just want to reemphasize, I mean, your whole system is on board for this. Yes. All of your strategies are organized to, or, or I guess in service of your survival yes. and the promotion of the strategies themselves. Right. Like 
they need to, they being the strategies, they need to stick around because they were developed to get your needs met. Yeah. They were developed to keep you alive. Yeah. That's why it's so hard to change. Right. Even something so small um, as the way you, well, everything, every time I say something small, it just like shows in my head of like, actually that's, <laughs> that's related to something bigger, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but like the, I can't remember something right now. Mm-hmm. My forgetfulness right. or man, I'm just like so fatigued lately. Yeah. Just can't find yeah. the energy, right? Um, or I've insomnia. Noticed, yeah, exactly. I can't mm-hmm. sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, my digestion has been really rough. Yeah. Or uh, I've been feeling like down. Yeah. More than recently. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that is is your body showing you, hey, things are kind of out of balance, mm-hmm. and we're having a tough time with our synthesis right now. Right. Like bringing all of our system on board is becoming increasingly difficult. Right. Well, and it also really highlights that, you know, as an organism, really interested in number one, survival, number two, homeostasis, and yep. those two things are very connected to each other, and number three, perpetuating a species. That's right. right? Um, and all of those goals, right? All of those require relationships mm-hmm. as a mammal species. We need each other in order to accomplish all of those. And so those relational complexities and dynamics are a huge part of, of all of that for us. And so when we're looking at the shift and the change of those things, what we come up against is I don't know any other way of getting my needs met. Right. And when when I you know come to myself and say, okay, self, I have a new goal. Like I would like to create a family a happy, healthy family. Yeah. And my body says, that's a great idea, but you go ahead and try, but I'm going to keep focused on your survival. Mm. So while you're busy trying to have a baby or do these other things that you want to do, I'm going to make sure you stay alive. And just so you know, I'll always win, right? Survival is going to beat out every other goal that you have. Doesn't matter down. what you want. That's right. Yeah. So if my body still believes that I am potentially under threat in any way, we can really, really want other things and we will constantly butt up against that old strategy because if it is about our survival, about the perceived need to survive, mm-hmm. it will win every time. Every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you want. Um, that's kind of what Melissa is saying. Like you, it doesn't matter how much you want to change Yeah. if your body believes that the way it's navigating through the world is for survival, right? it's not going to change. So I'm going to give an example of that Perfect. to really explain what we mean because this gets tricky when we're talking about survival, we're not talking about obvious violent death threat. Right. Right. And I mean, that can happen. And there are people whose stories include those kinds of experiences. Yeah. And those are incredibly um, valid and real for our body. We yeah. never forget anything that felt like a, a violent death threat to us. Um, but we also have relational and social threat that because we're mammals, that registers identically in our body mm-hmm. as a violent death threat yep. because historically if you were rejected from the group of people that you were living with if they decided that they didn't like you and threw you out of the tribe you were lunch yep not you, good no and so it it is the same thing neurobiologically yeah social threat feels like a death threat yep and this explains so much of why our nervous systems prioritize the kinds of things that we do so easy example the strategy of drinking, okay? Mm. Um, now, there's a million reasons why people choose to drink, but one of them is 
drinking makes it uh, easier to numb the feelings that felt bad to feel. And by bad, I mean that when I was little, I got in big trouble. I got socially rejected and shamed. And I felt very afraid because my parents thought that it was wrong and bad for me to express feeling sad or mad or anything too big and too intense. Yeah. So as I got older and I continued to have big, sad, mad feelings, I discovered alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when I drank, the sad, mad feelings went away, right? And so suddenly a strategy is born. I get socially rejected and I feel afraid and ashamed when I feel these feelings. I find something that helps me not feel the feelings, <gasps> an answer. Yeah. And so now I get really committed to that strategy, not because I love the taste of alcohol, mm-hmm. not because I love being drunk, but because I feel safe having an answer to getting rid of those feelings. For the first time in my yes. life. Getting rid of those feelings that got me socially reject- rejected, afraid, and in trouble yeah. in my family of origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the insulation that comes around that strategy of, you know, even as the person continues to experience uh, the negative effects of consuming that much alcohol for that reason. Right. They'll still continue. And that's what I mean by prioritizing survival. That's right. Right. So people can go to jail over this. Oh, yeah. Right. Lose everything. Lose so much. And they will still stay committed to the strategy because the strategy is born in a childhood moment of shame and fear are hardwired into our nervous system like nothing else. That's right. Absolutely. And that to me is the the reason that we talk about this so much mm-hmm. is that it's all strategy, yes. all strategy all the time. And so don't get caught up in the disorder or the label or the whatever. Look underneath at the system and right. the reason the system feels that this is an acceptable strategy for right. me. This is actually working quite well. Yeah. If my goal is to numb the sadness and fear and shame, mm-hmm. alcohol works. Great. I mean, it works really well. Right. Yeah. And so you're using that. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. So unless we can find something that is going to address the need, right. the strategy will continue. Right. And particularly when it was a shame experience and a social threat experience, the struggle is, is that there's nothing that I can change in my environment because the threat is now in me. Exactly. The shame That's lives the shame. in yeah. me. I believe that I am the problem. And how do I escape myself? Something has to numb me. Something has to help me dissociate. I have to have some way of getting away from myself. And that's why those kinds of strategies that are born out of shame and social rejection are some of the hardest to shift. That's right. And why so many strategies are formed around that. Because if I'm the problem, oh, man. Right. Oh, man. Like how terrifying each day is how sad it is how how helpless and hopeless it feels yeah it's waking up with a threat in our bed every morning and yes yeah (laughs) and looking at ourselves back in the mirror mirror. yes like (laughs) hello threat exactly you're the problem exactly and that's what shame does to us that's right and uh, so much of our strategy is born out of shame fear will do it too but shame doesn't in my opinion shame is the worst instigator of uh, strategy more yeah. than anything else because of that nature of it's in us so we can never get away from yeah. it yeah and there's the self-fulfilling nature of these types of strategies mm-hmm. you know in in trying to get away from the threat when the threat is me all these strategies now come on board that are going to keep me isolated right and to keep me away from others, if right. that's my experience of, well, I don't want other people seeing the problem, which is me. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to isolate myself. Right. That right there, though, you're, you've gone full, like, 
hook, line, and sinker. Yes. Because now you've taken away the only feedback that could actually help you get better. Uh, yeah. You're stuck in this loop. Yeah. And you've trapped yourself in it. And that's where so many people um, find just such utter despair mm-hmm. as they can't change in themselves. Mm-hmm. They realize that, mm-hmm. but their shame keeps them from reaching out to community that yeah. can actually help them change. Yeah. And I, I feel like what you're saying, Bridger, takes us you know, to our first and our last point because yes. it is so important, which is every single symptom that we see as therapists is a result of trauma. Mm-hmm. It is a strategy. We're always answering that question. What do I have to do to survive? And what do I have to do to get my needs met? Yes. And we will develop all kinds of strategies around that. And yeah. even ones that, you know, you know, you might wonder like, well, how in the world could that be born of trauma? How could that be a strategy? So there's two that come to mind. One is suicidality. The wish to die. Well, if it's about survival, how in the world (laughs) could suicidality be a survival strategy? Well, I'll tell you what. This one is the most creative of all. Mm -hmm. But when I say it this way, it's going to make absolute sense. Yep. If my life is so overwhelmingly terrifying and full of shame. And pain. And pain. And if I have determined that I am the problem, it's me the illness, the disease, the defectiveness, whatever, it's in me and I can never get away from it. Then the kindest, most generous thing that I can do for myself is say, if it it stays this bad, I'm out. End it. Yeah. I don't have to stay in this pain forever. That's a strategy. Yeah. The three factors we look at in assessing suicidality are how bad is the pain? Yeah. How are you in connection with the people? And where's your hope at? Yep. And that's the, if those things start to tilt towards Mm -hmm. the pain is unbearable. Yeah. I am totally disconnected. I'm totally alone. And I have no hope that it's going to change. Zero hope that it's going to change. Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world to (laughs) pull the ripcord. Totally. Yes. Let's hit the off button on this thing because it's just, it's done. Eject from this life that is doing nothing but torture. And that's another great example of, and I want to get to the second one that you said. Yes. But the, the, example of suicidality is such a perfect um, example of how that strategy and the series of strategies Mm -hmm. in responding to how painful it feels to live and how scared you are of other people, the strategies that came along took you out of connection with other people and therefore your hope plummeted That's right. because it's the same loop every day. Yes. It's unbearable and I'm alone. It's unbearable and I'm alone. It's the groundhog's day of a never ending cycle of, I I don't know how to break out of this, this torture. It really begins to feel like torture. Yes. And that also explains why sometimes it's very small and simple things that help us break out of that cycle because in those moments, all we really need, and I say that all with <laughs> great understanding of you know, how significant it really feels in the moment, all we need is something to come into our environment that says, hey, it's not in you. There are humans in the world that yeah. will not reject you, that yeah. do not see you as diseased and defective. And I feel like at least you know, here at Beyond Healing, a huge portion of the therapy we do is spending time telling people you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> like 
what you are, who you are, how you've chosen to survive, everything about you is right. It's good. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't stop doing what you're doing. Right. Because you're doing it for a darn good reason and you always have been. You're not yes. crazy. You've been surviving. Yeah. Good job figuring out Excellent. how to survive. Excellent. Brilliant. Yes. Right. And and when you take that posture with somebody, there's immediately this feeling of, oh, if this was me figuring out how to survive Maybe if my life gets safe enough, I won't have to stay in survival mode. Yeah. And there can be this this beginnings of, of hope and a shift to if I could create a world for myself, just for myself, where I don't need so much strategy, then maybe I could set some of this down. Mm. And I mean, that that is what happens and it takes time, but it's absolutely possible yes. that we either set down our strategies um, or we kind of morph them into a keep the good stuff and lessen the consequences that we pay. Um, but there is a lot of shift and change that is yeah. very possible around those strategies. What's the second one? Oh, schizophrenia. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I was hoping it would be. Yes. Yeah, because this it is one that everybody's like, sense. you know, well, how in the world could that be a strategy of the nervous system to deal with trauma? Oh, oh, well, let me tell you. This is like the most brilliant backdoor option strategy ever. yes so when our nervous system is overwhelmed with reality because reality is so painful you know what's real appealing fantasy delusion escapism separation separation when my world is bad enough now, there is the interaction between the genetic potential for well, that's that is a point that I want to get to yes. of um, and I think we can do it like just splice it in here, but yes. the gene expression and chemical balance in the brain is reactionary. Yes. And that's something I feel like so many people don't understand. Not causal. It's not causal. Yes. The effect of it can cause new things. Yes. But it is itself not the first mover. Right. That I feel like is so central. Like you yes. need to understand that if you're going to start looking at strategy because people blame chemicals and gene expression for disorders. Yes. That doesn't make any sense. No. They are no. supported by genes and chemicals. Right. But they are themselves not the problem. Yeah. They basically, uh, so one way of thinking about this is our genes are a roadmap. But just because the road is on the map doesn't mean you're going to drive down it. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it. Something has to come along that says, well, that's the right way to go to get to my destination. Right. Now, in, in human beings, we have, you know, most of us have similar genetics, right? We're more similar than we are different. Mm -hmm. But we all have uniquenesses as well. And some of our strategies, um, the reason why they run in families is because we have the same roadmaps, yep. right? Or similar roadmaps to the people get in our the family. the same GPS that yeah. I do. Um, but we still have to have something happen environmentally to say, go down that road. Yep, makes That's sense. where you want to go. Looks good. Yeah. Um, and, you know, schizophrenia is a great example of that because many people walk around with the genetic potential for schizophrenia and it's never expressed. And the vast majority of people that struggle with schizophrenia, it happens in early adulthood. Mm hmm. And it happens um, at a critical point, meaning a crisis point. Something comes into their world that feels traumatic and overwhelming, and boom, now we have symptomology. Because in that moment, it was the first time that their body looked around at all of its available resources and says, I got nothing. Let's take this new road. Yeah. And that's, yeah, exactly. It looks around at all the available resources, says, I've got nothing. But then a part comes forward and says, actually, uh -huh. there's something in the basement you should really take a look at. Yeah. I think it could help with hey, this. Let's pull it up. 
I think it's I think it could be good. Yeah, and yeah. and out we go. Let's create a new reality yes. within ourselves. Yes. And uh so uh a version of this is somebody that, you know, has a psychotic experience as a result of taking drugs for the first time. Right. And their brain never comes back. Yep. And that is uh that dusting it off from the basement like Oh, yep. we have this option. I didn't know that this was an option. To me, I think about it as like a if you've ever seen movies where someone's cleaning out an old basement and they find this like old Artifact. cellar. Yeah, like it's just like, oh, dude, there's a whole room over here. We didn't even know about this. <laughs> we need to go explore this. Yeah. What's in here? Drugs yeah. are the cleaning people that yes, are like yeah. moving things yes. around, looking exactly. <laughs> it's like I have now. You know, it's like the minesweeper thing where you click on one and this whole like, new section yeah, like, opens up, whoa. like boom, right? <laughs> um, and that does. It happens in our nervous system. System. So the potential was there all along because yeah. it was it was within our genes encoded into the That's DNA. That's right. But something environmentally and experientially had to come in it and open it. that door or take that path down that road. Whichever of the nine analogies that we just used. <laughs> that, <It's> okay. <laughs> it's fine. Mixed analogies. Super right favorite. brain. It's all right. Yeah. Um, but I think when we understand strategy that way, then it really clears up this confusion of well, isn't nature? Isn't nurture? Is it genetics or is it experience? It's always all together. And, yes, both yeah, and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, understanding it that way gives us, number one, a whole lot more understanding of why do we do what we do and why do we struggle to change when we do struggle yeah. to change. But then also it illuminates the answer to a lot of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's through experience. It I was is. just thinking of um, early in my uh, educational experience of learning how to write, um, somebody said if you only could communicate one thing in this what would it be mm-hmm. and that's how you start writing yeah and to me i was just thinking of man if there's just one thing that i could that i could say in my life it would be that genes and neurochemicals are reactionary not primary <laughs> like if i could just spend my entire life on one Saying thing that. on one thing mm-hmm. it would be helping people understand that yes hey don't blame your biology yeah yeah. It's all experience dependent. Yes. It's experienced through relationship. Yes. Your body is always reacting to your world. Reacting and then forming strategies to help you perform that reaction mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. To say, oh, we went with this and it worked. We're still alive. Yeah. Sick. Like, yeah. let's do it again. Mm-hmm. Why not? Mm-hmm. It worked. Mm-hmm. And so just as you're saying, Melissa, this also provides the roadmap to health and right. to healing. Right. But it requires relationship. Yes, it does. It requires interaction with other nervous systems, with other mammals Mm -hmm. that are supportive and creating a environment that's conducive to this type of healing. Because if you're still in a crisis or activated or even, um, you know, dangerous or threatening place, Mm -hmm. you're going to use those strategies. Yes. We have a... We have a say, we have a lot of sayings here at BHC. In fact, yesterday we made a whole new list <laughs> <laughs> of mantras that we use with our therapists to help yes. them embody the way that we practice. And uh, one of them, which we've said before, and it made it on the list again yesterday, was safety is the treatment. That's right. Safety is healing, which, you know, on one hand sounds so simple, but actually being able to experience safety when it's offered and not just know it not just cognitively be aware that i'm safe in this moment but feel safe mind and body both agree that's right in every cell of my being in every part of me knows and feels and agrees that i am safe in this moment yeah when that happens 
the need for strategy fades away and I can be the me that I was always meant to be. Authentic in the here and now with you. Yes. But finding safety in our world is a daily challenge for all of us. And that is okay. Yes. Because we don't need to be safe 100% of the time in order to be healthy and happy. Most of us just need to know that I have a safe place to return to. I can come home to safety every day. Mm-hmm. I can go out into the world. Experience and, threat yes, and danger. And handle all of it. Incredibly resilient creatures. That's right. But beings. if I come home to a safe base where I am accepted, known, loved, wanted, etc., then anything's I can do possible. anything. Yeah. Anything's possible. Yeah. Anything. That feels like a nice ending point (laughs) um speaking of connection Hmm. oh yeah patreon patreon (laughs) connect with us yes patreon is a platform um, that we use to create a virtual community Mm -hmm. where uh, people can come and be a part of our community at beyond healing um through uh donating to uh all the things that we're doing um this podcast is a direct result of uh, Patreon supporters. Yes. And that mm-hmm. is just so cool to watch the community grow and for people to continue to connect with each other and with us and, mm-hmm. and just to watch these ideas create opportunities for connection. And we love all your Facebook messages and your Instagram messages. And yes, yeah, Patreon is just another way that we get to deepen those kinds of connections. And we're always, you know, looking for new ways to support you guys in your healing journeys. And Patreon is kind of one of our favorite ways to do that. Um, you know, there we've got all kinds of resources on there. Yeah. Um, so get on there and have a look and see. We yes. have different tiers of membership so you can kind of figure out what's going to be the best, you know, for your own budget, but also for your needs right now. Um, and that is at patreon.com slash Beyond Trauma Podcast. Beyond Trauma Podcast. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You can find us there. The other thing that we want to let you guys know is that we have a full team of therapists now. It used to be me and Jen and Bridger, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> and now uh, I think we did a staff photo the other day, and there's like 20, 20 of us, 25 of us. <laughs> oh, my crazy. gosh. Yeah. Uh, so we've grown a bit, which is wonderful. Uh, That's and, and all of these therapists are therapists that are under our Insane. direct supervision. Yeah, They're so good. Yeah. Um, you know, we have selected them because of their, you know, skill, but most of all their commitment to doing therapy in, in this way, focused on safety, focused on trauma informed, nervous informed, nervous system informed treatment that prioritizes safety and connection. That's it, man. Yes. Yeah. Um, so if you're local, come see us in Springfield, Missouri. Heck if yeah. you're not local, we have some therapists on our team that are able to do virtual sessions. So if you're interested in uh, having therapy from a Beyond Healing Center therapist, you can email us at therapy at beyondhealingcenter.com and we'll get you set up. That's right. Mm-hmm. All, All right, guys. guys. Thank you so much. Safe journeys, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Trauma, a psychotherapy podcast from therapists for clients about the journey of trauma recovery. While resources like this can be helpful, they should never take the place of or be used as therapy. We encourage you to find a trauma-informed therapist in your area to be your guide in this healing journey. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and we would appreciate it if you could leave us a review. You can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at beyondtraumapodcast.com. Thanks again for tuning in.